welcome back to the Act Two podcast, <laughs> your podcast for the real life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I'm Josh Hallman. As a reminder, Act Two is a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter, of which this podcast is just one of our really cool things that we do. So thank you for joining us here on the podcast. Also, Please remember to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of our upcoming topics. Give us a rating, write a comment, tell us your favorite script that you've ever written. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> wow, you were coming up with that on the fly. <laughs> this is the most serious opening we've ever had, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to bring it back. Very professional. Yeah, we're professionals. <laughs> if you'd rather DM us. <laughs> questions topic suggestions <laughs> tell me how poorly i'm doing right now you can reach no. out to us at act two writers at gmail.com or on our instagram at act two writers that was great thanks oh geez whoa my phone is or my watch is talking to me sorry i'm i'm convinced there's something going on in the world right now there's still a lot of weird disasters today just a little, a lot of little fires that aren't really crazy and important, but they just kind of tweak, they, they throw you off enough to change everything. Yeah. Josh and I have gotten no writing done today. So Nothing. that's the headspace we're in right now. <laughs> I know. So frustrated. We were talking like, as a writer, well, at least I, it sounds like you and I are similar. It's like you need certain elements of your life to be in order before you can write. For instance... I had to take my car in today, but like it was throwing me off. So like I was thinking about when I had to take it in and then what, like to pick up, get a loaner car, these, all these little random things. And I was like, I'm done. Yeah, and you just over. throw in the towel. No, you can't. No, <laughs> I wasn't writing it. It was 9am and I was like, this day's gone. <laughs> I totally agree with you. It's so weird. But then like, once you make that decision at 9.30am, you're like, well, then what do I do with my day? <laughs> like, how, what does this look like if I'm not writing? Yeah. How much YouTube can I watch? <laughs> it's research. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We have an exciting day, Tasha. It could go either way. Exciting yeah. or humiliating and mm -hmm. disastrous. Great. <laughs> so we're kind of doing a fireside chat, but with ourselves. <laughs> so we're going to kind of volley back and forth and talk about some real life situations that we have come across and how we've confronted them or how we've thought about them, tackled these hurdles or screenwriting life obstacles, I guess. Yeah, because weirdly, I think some of the things we're gonna talk about are helpful, but it's almost like we don't know how to talk about them without just directly asking each other these questions. Yeah, we're just gonna interview each other then. We're interviewing each <laughs> other. We have to finally figure out who we are. <laughs> Because I don't know if you guys know this, but Josh is actually very secretive about himself, and I barely know anything about him, even though I've known him for 10 years. <laughs> I'm an open book. <laughs> All right, so this week in writing is, I'm stealing from Josh, is this week in viewing. I went to a movie theater for the first time, and it was fantastic and amazing, and I just loved it so much. What did you see? Can you say it? I saw Spiral, mm. which was like the millionth Saw movie. And I was very excited to go see it actually because it looked like, I'm not a big torture porn kind of person, but it looked like it was kind of taking the Saw franchise into a new direction where they were actually gonna do like a thriller detective movie kind of in the vein of Seven, which I think was clearly 
one of their inspirations, but it just did not have the gravitas of that movie. Where did you see the movie? At an AMC. Did you have popcorn? A huge popcorn and a huge drink. Like, you just had to go big. It it was back to normal. Well, so they, they have a line situation that's not quite back to normal where you can't get your own drink they have to get your drink for you and Mm. they don't put butter on the popcorn they give you a little like vat of butter which you already feel kind of gross asking for more butter on your popcorn but if they do it it's like (laughs) out of sight out of mind but when you're literally pouring this like bowl of butter on your popcorn it feels a little grotesque but it was delicious and they do seat you separately so we sat in the back and we were separated by at least four chairs on either side of us and in front of us. So there was no one sitting anywhere near us, which was great. Yeah, I loved it. Like hearing the sound, like the the massive sound and just the massive visuals. It was like, why does anyone think we're never gonna have this experience in our lives and that we should just phase out movie theaters? It makes no sense. So I watched Cruella and the second the movie ended, I was like, I wish I saw this in a movie theater. Mm. That I love this movie, by mm. the way. And I'm already getting too far into it. <laughs> I've already said too much. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. So today we're going to do our fireside chat. But I'm going to start asking you a question first because I know nothing about you. <laughs> this is my chance to get to know more about you. All right. So my first question to you is... When did you actually decide to be a screenwriter? Because I feel like you vaguely told me a story a long time ago about how there was like a literal moment for you where it sort of all came together and you like saw the light and you're like, I'm going to be a screenwriter. And (laughs) yeah, I want to know what that story is. There's an exact moment of when it happened. I know exactly when it happened. I know exactly where I was. Set it up for us. I want, okay. I want the whole thing, the whole experience. So the whole, the, the whole experience. <laughs> so basically, let me just say that I've always, I've always wanted to be in film, in the entertainment industry. I knew I wanted to be in it. I've talked about this before. I didn't really know how the entertainment world worked. When I came out here, it was kind of like, okay, I'm going to make movies. Like I always wanted to direct. I wanted to produce. I wanted to write. And I thought you kind of did all three of those together. Like I thought that's kind of how things worked. That was just like normal. So I get out to Los Angeles, I meet a friend of mine, and he and I start working on uh, like YouTube videos. We were starting to post things online, and we end up uh, doing a travel series. So we rode these scooters from Los Angeles to New York. They were 20 mile per hour scooters. We had two of them. <laughs> and the concept was that people would vote us across the country. What does that mean? That means we, oh, I'm sorry. We were posting videos on a week, like in real time. So it was like a weekly basis. Well, I mean, as real time as we could get while editing on the road. Mm-hmm. And we basically, we had a website. We, we, we would communicate with people. People could contact us. And we would take polls each week of like, okay, where should we go next? So we'd get to, uh, to Vegas. In Vegas, it was like, we can go in three different areas. Where should we go? But Whoa. with the goal being, we need to be, we need to end in New York. Wow, cool. In Cedar City, Utah, my scooter breaks down, and I end up throwing my scooter 
somewhere that we ended up getting it later and just to clarify that I didn't like leave it in the in the woods or something like that so I end up hopping on the back of my friend's scooter so like I said these go 20 miles per hour so I'm kind of hugging the back of my friend <laughs> now we're in dumb and dumber yes we, we a lot of people stopped us and they were like dumb and dumber and we're like ha, ha, ha. and um we we were in Nebraska I believe by the way, this was like a three and a half month trip. So this I'm is sure. a kind of, this was, we were camping along the way. I'm, we've been camping on the road. I've been sleeping on farms. I've been laying on the like side, of, like in grass. And I remember thinking to myself, I was like, this is really cool, but this isn't what I want to do with my life. I want to tell stories. And the the problem was, is that we were getting like, we were doing really well on YouTube. Like we had like a good thing going but it just wasn't directly, it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. So I was on the back of a scooter gripping my friend and I said to him, Pete, when I get back, I'm going to focus on screenwriting and make that my singular focus. And he was like, cool, man. <laughs> and that was it. So anyway, that was it. That was the moment. I was like, I'm going to do it. Wasn't there a cow involved? I, yes, there was a cow. That's how I became a vegetarian for a couple of years. Did I make this up? I feel like there was also a moment where you are, were like Christ. staring in the eyes of a cow and you realized then that you also wanted to be a screenwriter. Uh, no, fuck, no. I wasn't looking at a cow. I woke up to a cow one night. On a, I was on this farm and I wake up and a fucking cow was standing over me. And I got up and I, I was like petting the cow. And I was like, what's up, buddy? I'm just losing my mind. You have to understand what it's like camping on the road for months at a time, okay? And I'm petting this cow, and this cow had so, it had a soul, I swear to God. And I was like, okay, I'm done eating meat, dude. I'm not doing this to you because I don't. if I can't kill you myself, I'm not going to eat you. Aww. And so I was a vegetarian. Was? Yeah. What? Well, then, <laughs> Jesus. <what> is... <laughs> Let's move on to screenwriting. That's what this is about. <laughs> What changed? I'll tell you what changed. I had a kid and I was lethargic and I was like, I was like slumped over all the time. And I finally saw a doctor and I was like, doctor, I, I can't even open my eyes for more than two hours a day. He was like, what's your diet? I was like, I eat cereal and vegetables, you know? And he was like, do you eat meat? And I was like, no, I looked at this cow. And, and, he, and then he was like, you need to eat meat, man. So I was like, fine. And I fucking went to Nebraska. I killed that cow. And I'm just kidding. But I did start eating meat right after that. And that's how I became a screenwriter. Moving on. Yep. Did that answer your question, Tasha? Thank you. I really appreciate it. I feel like I know you so much better now. Okay, Tasha. My first question for you. Okay. Do you feel guilty that you didn't come to my wedding? I'm just kidding. That's yes, not my first question. I do. And I thought about it when Paul proposed to me this weekend. I was like, I'm going to invite Josh and he's not going to come. <laughs> Fuck your wedding. I'm not showing. By the way, Tasha's engaged. We're celebrating. You, you get you have to congratulate Tasha. So congratulations. Thank you. To Paul and you. Please come to my wedding. <laughs> you better invite me. All right. Here's my actual question. Okay. What was the first script that got you attention in mm. the industry? I wrote a script called Black Bell. Actually, 
I like the title The Darkness, but nobody else liked it, so they changed it to Black Bell. But that's another story. Um, it's a it's a <laughs> script that I wrote in college, actually, and it's you know at a time when you had no idea what you were supposed to write because you didn't know what the industry wanted or what the marketplace looked like or even what the marketplace was. And so I just wrote a script about a movie that I wanted to see, which was a Western <laughs> with a female bounty hunter who goes around kind of like John Wick, that like just re revenge kills, essentially. Whoa, Western Wick. Yeah. <laughs> and I submitted it to a bunch of festivals, including Austin Film Festival and the Nichols, and it did really well in those things. And that's the script that got me all of my first meetings. It got me my first ever meeting with a director and just opened a lot of those first doors for me in terms of the generals and then building a network and whatnot. Wow. That's great. Because one of my other questions was if you have submitted to contests and if you would recommend them, and it sounds like that's the way to go. Yeah, definitely. I, we've talked, we have a whole episode about this uh, at some point somewhere early in early days. And yeah, I definitely went the festival route everything from like as small as scriptalooza all the way up to yeah like nickels and sundance and and all of that and black bell ended up getting hosted on uh, the blacklist and when i say getting hosted i mean i paid to get it hosted mm -hmm. on the blacklist which allowed it to qualify for submission into some of the programs that franklin leonard who runs the blacklist does now where he partners with big studios and it was the first year they were partnering with Warner Brothers. And so because I was hosting Black Bell on mm -hmm. the blacklist and it was getting high ratings as well, then it qualified me for this program, which is what gave me my first writing job. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, but it, what's interesting, though, when you say, like, did the script get your attention? And then combining that with the contests question, the contests never came up in any general, nor did my reps mention the contests as something going for this script like nobody cares that it wins the austin phil festival or the nickels it didn't win the nickels i guess if it did win the nickels that would be a thing i made it to like the top 10 percent of nickels or something like yeah. that i was like a semi-finalist but that's not enough to you know attach that into the log line of your script when they send out an email to try to get you a meeting right like all of the festivals i submitted to did nothing for the script itself if that makes sense it makes total sense. I um, ha have a similar story in that regard, but like, yeah, no one really cares. Yeah. I'm going to take that back. People care, but you definitely care a lot more and, and it can get you meetings and, and it does great things for you, but it only goes so far. It was really frustrating for me, actually, because I was working at Universal at the time and Black Bell was doing so well in so many different screenwriting contests. And I did make it so far in the nickels. And it felt like such a huge achievement for myself. Like, oh, I, I can do this and I can compete with other screenwriters. Yeah. And this is a really big program to get my scripts at such a high level. But that just did not translate into getting me meetings. It's not something I could mention in a general and anyone would be impressed. It's like the same thing with getting an MFA in screenwriting. Like nobody cares about that in a general meeting. <laughs> if you say it, it will seem really silly and kind of naive. And it was the same with these. And it was very frustrating because it did feel like, oh, my script's finally doing something important. And yet it didn't translate. Yeah. All right. Okay. It's my turn. Yeah.
Yeah, fucking your All turn. Right, you want me to just keep asking you questions? <laughs> I will. It's all about me. <laughs> All right, what? I'm very curious. I don't know the answer to this. What was the very first script you ever wrote? All right, so you kind of know the answer to this. Hmm. And this is so weird that I have like two like two answers to this. But the the very first script I wrote that I quote unquote finished like wasn't totally finished. If that makes sense, like there, I I remember having like gaps in it because I didn't know what certain scenes were, mm -hmm. and the concept behind that was. It's actually very dark. It was about a guy trying to get out of a small town and he was trying to move out and he was like about to get out. Like this was, he was just stuck there kind of like in the garden state type routine mm -hmm. in the sense where it's like, you're just kind of in like the daily routine and life is boring, etc. And then he commits a murder. Holy shit. Yeah. And so it basically followed him dealing with that and trying to get out of this small town didn't really make much sense that's a great premise though yeah it sounds a lot better now that i'm talking about it <laughs> josh will be was, revisiting that right after this I, episode um i actually tried to look for it when i when i was like where is that script and i can't find it. i don't even remember what it was called i don't know anything about it but um and i only had one person read it and that was alex our friend alex oh i remember he just was like yeah, all right. You know, he just kind of shit all over it in the best possible way. So there's that. But the first script, like, I actually really uh, really wrote, you read. It was called The Periodic Table of Women. Yes. And it was about a guy who was dealing with a breakup, and he figured out the exact equation on who he needed to date in order to get over his ex-girlfriend. I loved that title. I loved that story. And I have a very clear memory of us workshopping it at IHOP. Yeah. <laughs> and that all that workshopping has resulted in it sitting um, on my computer. <laughs> hey, it's kicking around. Maybe it'll come back someday. No. <laughs> I, though I think we've really lost romantic comedy, Josh. He, I mean, he's not dead. <laughs> he's around. He's just blended with action, adventure, Josh. Yeah. All right. Moving on, All right. Tasha. All right. So when was the first time in your career, oh, shit, you might have just answered this, that you had the feeling of like, yeah, I can do this. Like, I can be a screenwriter. I sort of feel like this happened in stages. Mm. Is that weird? Like, there was no, no aha moment like you had for me. And... In some ways, I feel like it's still happening. Like, I remember, can I tell, can I just like tell a story right now? <laughs> I mean, if you this? didn't, what's, what's the purpose? <laughs> okay, I feel like, so I feel like this happened in stages and it feels like the first moment that I have in my brain is actually when I was studying at Oxford for a while. And I remember the first day I was introduced to my medieval literature professor, she was like, I don't expect you to do well in this class. <laughs> Nobody has done well in this class and definitely wow. not anyone from America. Mm. And then she paused and she was like, actually, there was one person, but they were exceptional. And I don't think you're exceptional. And I was like, fuck, oh my God, like Oxford is so hard. I'm going to flunk out of Oxford. And in that class, because it was medieval literature, we read the original source material for things like Robin Hood and King Arthur. And 
because I'm an American who wants to write movies, um, I studied all of these original sources, I poured over all my homework, and then I wrote this massive essay comparing the original source material uh, for King Arthur wow. with First Night, the movie with Sean Connery and Richard Gere, which I think is a masterpiece. <laughs> and I wrote this Great. essay and I turned it in and I remember thinking like, oh my God, Dr. Jenny Nuttall is going to kill me. Like, I can just imagine her screaming at me. I could see, like, a vein pulsing out of her forehead as she's telling me what a stupid American I am and how I'll never amount to anything for writing a fucking essay about movies, about a mm -hmm. Sean Connery and Richard Gere movie in a medieval literature class. But then I go to my class, and she's like, this was incredible. She Whoa. was like... She was like, that other person I said was exceptional. They're nothing. She was like, what? Was, yeah, she was like, you have taken their place. And that was like one of the first moments where I was like, oh, like this movie thing and the way I think about movies is actually interesting and is actually worth something. So that was the first time yeah. I thought like, oh, m movies is a direction that seems valid. And then the next big time was my second ever job, because my first job I totally bombed, but my second ever job, I remember it was a producer who had an idea and he had an outline and the outline was massive. It was just so long and it was meant to be for a two hour movie and there was no way this was gonna happen. And I remember pitching in that room and the ideas I pitched as, as solutions to this huge outline felt really obvious to me. And mm -hmm. in the room, like they were really impressed by my solves. And that's another moment where I was like, oh, this is a job that I can do. Or it's like an ability yeah. that I have that the other people in this room don't have. So that was another big moment. And I think that the third is honestly happening right now because I think in the, within the last year, there's just been this new switch that's been turned of like, oh, I can do this as a sustainable career, potentially, maybe. Because yeah. <laughs> you know, Red Sonia is supposedly going into production this year they were really happy with the script and i think when that happens that's when you're kind of like oh hmm maybe yeah. i could do this because it's not just like you guys in writers group who believe in me it's like people who are willing to spend money on something i wrote and that does another that kind of gets you another level and that's a very long-winded answer but i think the point is that like i'm not sure there's ever really just a moment for me where i felt like oh i can do this and then just kind of like charge yeah. down that path bravely. I think there were a bunch of small moments along the way that made me believe, oh, this dream is actually possible. I mean, it's important because I think every writer go goes through that. You need to hear certain things from certain people, whether it be Dr. Jenny Nuttall or, <laughs> you know, somebody else, but someone that is not within your inner circle yeah. to tell you something where you're like, okay, I have a handle on this. I can do it. I can do it. It's the little things. That's it. Yeah, that's it yeah. exactly. All right. What was your first ever pitch that you've ever done in your entire career? So this story isn't going to sound like, like it, it's not legit. All right. When I was, when I was thinking about that, I, I realized how weird this sounds. Okay. Okay. Is it weird? I'm even more excited now. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's maybe it's not as weird. I, I, I no. Okay. So, this was when Rom-Com Josh was thriving. Mm. I was working at WeWork. Oh, yeah. And I met a producer named Ed. And he was this independent producer. He was working at WeWork. And I start talking to him. 
And he was actually the person who, quote unquote, optioned this rom-com I wrote called Christmas Mom, if you remember that. No, I don't. Actually, it had a title change. Whatever, who cares? Moving on. So I wrote this rom-com. And Ed then connected me with another independent producer who was working like on the fourth floor of WeWork at that time. This is, by the way, that WeWork was just thriving at this point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It probably wasn't. And uh, This is how so, WeWork worked at the time, though. I feel it like was, it was, the energy was incredible. It was weird. Yeah. Like everyone was like, here, come meet this person, meet this person. There was just like every, obviously everyone there was pretty much independent, everything. So mm -hmm. Ed puts me in touch with this other uh, producer and that producer wanted me to give a take on a pretty generic rom-com, which was, I think like basically two friends. I don't think I know it was two friends who were basically fighting over a girl. And my take on it was like one of the friends takes this girl and it turns into kind of like this Goonies style adventure. That's kind of like where the pitch went. And it was, it was very disastrous and it was very bad. And it was just completely crazy. It didn't really make sense. Like that wasn't what the movie was supposed to be, but I just went there kind mm -hmm. of in my own world, I guess. Like that's just what I did. Yeah. Uh, I just took it to kind of like Josh land. Yeah. So that was my pitch. Like that was my, I, I sat down inside this room at WeWork, these little glass fricking walls where I'm sure other people could hear me. And I sat like three feet away from this guy and pitched him my uh, rom-com date movie. And that was it. Can I have follow-up questions? Goddamn right. <laughs> was his only prompt for you that there are two guys fighting over a girl? There was a little more than that. Because I remember thinking like, oh, this is like, this means war. Like that was where my mind went. Oh, I see. So that makes sense too, where you would go Josh Goonies with it versus like spy James yeah. Bond with it. Yeah. I actually think it might've been around this time. Like, I don't even remember kind of, it's a little cloudy. Mm -hmm. Like all the, the WeWork stuff is a little cloudy, but that was it. And then I was just so, I had like specific details and I was just so nervous. And I, I think the pitch was really long. Yeah. And I was talking a mile a minute and just... How long did it take you to prepare the pitch? Do you remember? It actually didn't take long at all. Yeah. I said I could do... I remember being like, I'll have it ready by next week. Okay. Like, that was it. Like, yeah. I was that, that, that mentality where I was like, I'll be good. I'll come up there. I came up there. I had my WeWork coffee and I pitched like crazy. <laughs> and how did it go? I don't think it went that bad, actually. Really? I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. Nothing ever happened. I never talked yeah. to the guy again, but <laughs> you know how I kind of like, I black these things out. When it's bad things, yeah. I, I just completely morph it into something where it's like kicking around. Yeah, it's great. He loved it. Yeah. So that was my first pitch. Interesting. I like it. Was that a sufficient answer for you? Yeah, I enjoyed that. Okay. Time to get into the, the, like the meat and potatoes of this podcast, Tasha. Okay. Any horror stories about working with a producer or executive that you're open to telling us? I actually think I've been quite lucky where there's not been big horror stories where someone has been a, a terror or anything. Although the things that come to mind when you ask that are actually... Okay, so when I worked at Universal, there was an executive there who I did not work for who called me into her office one day and she wasn't the nicest executive like she was known around the assistant pool as being a handful I would say mm -hmm. and kind of being 
a little cruel, I think, to people who were underneath her. And so I was a little afraid of what she was calling me in for. Like, what did I do wrong that I didn't know I did wrong? And she closes the door and she shows me this board uh, with like note cards pinned up to it, a cork board. Yeah. And it's one of the movies that we're working on together because she was a junior executive. My boss was a senior executive. So usually on a movie, they pair a senior and a junior together to work on a single movie. And she asked me to help her break down the three act structure of the movie that she has been working on for months, months and months and months, been in a million meetings about this movie. And she had no idea what the structure of it was. And I was like, Oh, you don't know. Like, wait, like you don't, know where the act breaks are she's like yeah i don't know what act breaks are what (laughs) yeah so i had to teach her someone who is making decisions on movies that like i would love to be paid for i had to teach her what three act structure was and that to me is a horror story (laughs) um yeah no that's that's scary the other one that i can come up with is sort of in a similar vein of another executive who on a a huge video game project that i was pitching on i go in and i I started talking about it and she's like i'm gonna stop you right there i just want you to know i've i've never watched a single uh, i've never played a single game of this entire series i was like oh it's okay like you've probably seen walkthroughs and stuff because again this is someone who's been working on this project for many months and it's a it's a huge property for the the studio she was working at. She's like, no, I've not seen any walkthroughs either. And walkthroughs, if you don't know, are just you can go online and Google walkthrough of this game, and it's basically a movie you can watch in the background, very easy. But she'd never seen any of those either. She'd never seen any of the previous movies that had mm-hmm. been made in this franchise before, and she never thought to like read a Wikipedia article about it either. So she came in with nothing, <laughs> and she was gonna tell me whether my story about this video game property was worth making. And I'm like, you're not qualified to do that. (laughs) Wow, that's ridiculous. So those are the two that kind of come to mind there. Those are great. Put a pin in that because I have something to say about that later. Okay. Three questions. Okay. All right, moving on. All right, my next question is, what was the best meeting you've ever had? Okay. The best meeting I've ever had also happens to be the worst meeting I've ever had. What? There we go. (laughs) All right. So check this out. This is, this is a, I've told you this story, I think, but the best meeting I've ever had, I think was with Bad Robot. Mm. And I had released a pitch video about how to reboot the movie Back to the Future, if you recall. Oh my gosh. Yes. This is way back in the day. This is way back in the day. And why, why I was like, is this my best meeting? And the only reason I feel like this is my best meeting is because, first of all, I fucking love Bad Robot. Like, it's, it's like a family member to me. Yeah. I love Bad <laughs> Robot. It's like the, you know that. I, yeah. I love it. I love J.J. Abrams. And I didn't have a manager or agent at the time. And I ended up getting an email from an executive over at Bad Robot that said, hey, Josh, JJ watched your pitch video and wanted us to call you in. And I thought it was a fucking joke. I was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> what? And I, I know exactly where I was sitting where it happened. I was at um, our old writing group stomping ground at um, Fat Dog. Uh-huh. I was having a beer at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I remember um, 
getting this email and I was like, oh my God. So I go into the meeting, I start meeting people around Bad Robot and I sit down with this executive and we start talking about Back to the, uh, Back to the Future. Oh, and JJ Abrams was not in the meeting, by the way. It was uh, th- uh, three executives, obviously not JJ. Oh, there's three though. There were three. That's and they were like the nicest people ever, like literally ever. I've actually followed up with them after that meeting and everyone uh, was just great. Like it was, it was amazing. So I have this meeting in the meeting. The woman said, Oh, we put in a call to Robert Zemeckis to see like what's going on with the rights and if, if things could be made or this and that. I was just like, wait, what? what? And, and I was like, I laughed. I remember being like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, is this even happening right now? So that, that was my best meeting because of just like everything that was going on, okay? But here's where it turned into the worst meeting. I don't want to know. I love this story right now and this makes me happy <laughs> and I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, so she ends up saying to me, we'd love to read anything you have. What do you have? And at that time, Tasha, I didn't have anything I was confident in. And I was like all over the board with what I wanted to write. I was finishing rom-com, Josh. I wrote uh, that sci-fi movie called The Abstract. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of just like in these different worlds. And it was my first really hard lesson about always having the next thing ready and always being able to talk about that next thing or your next idea. Because I went into that meeting and I was really overwhelmed in like the best way. And when she asked me that, like, what can we read? You can send us anything at any point. Like, I didn't have stuff I felt confident sending her. How did you respond to the question? Did you lie and then just never send them anything? Or did you panic? I think panicked and lied. No, but I did say (laughs) that I did say that I had uh, that sci-fi script, The Abstract, which is something I actually had, but it was at such early, uh, such an early stage that I wasn't ready to send it. And then some time kind of had gone by. And I actually think I may have sent it to him. And then it was just a bad script. It was a good concept, but, the, but a bad script. Yeah, I remember liking that concept. So anyway, that's my, my good and bad. <sighs> now I'm sad. Yeah, so, you know, make your own shit. <laughs> that's the coolest thing ever, though, that J.J. Abrams watched your pitch video. That at least you can take, not to the bank, but to heart. Yeah, I just it was one. It was a confidence thing. All right. So my next question for you, Tasha. Okay. Is film school necessary? Yes or no? No. Next one. Okay, (laughs) uh, Tasha. (laughs) Can you please explain why the movie Ever After is your favorite fucking movie? Oh my god. I mean, do I even need to answer this question? Don't you think it's obvious? Can you just do it in like twenty seconds? I need to know. It takes a fairy tale story, lands it in a historical accurate period, and then turns it into a romantic drama that's like full of heart and real emotions. Like to imagine that the stupid Disney movie of Cinderella could be turned into something that like moves you and makes you cry and makes you feel things and is complex is just completely inspirational for me. It's what I want to do with my entire life. Wow. Okay, moving on. Never ask that stupid question again. 
I'm thrown off by this dog barking behind me. Let's go. All right. What is your most embarrassing moment ever as a screenwriter? I honestly have no idea. I block out all the bad and I I use it as motivation, but I also like forget it at the same time. It's really unhealthy. Next question. I think that's actually very healthy. No, I hold vendettas. What are you talking about? I, like, <laughs> I'm so fucking angry at everyone. Are you kidding me? I, like, I remember people. I don't remember why I don't like them. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a to kill list, but you don't remember why you want to kill them. Yeah, I'm like, why the fuck is John's name written on my wall? <laughs> I'm going after him, though. I'm taking (laughs) him out. Next question. All right. What is your proudest moment as a screenwriter then? I do know this one. This actually ties into where I said put a pin in this, I think, maybe. No, actually it's not. But Zoe is kicking in. Uh, (laughs) My uh, proudest moment was the Austin Film Festival. This is going back to your question about... Uh, or we when you talked about contests about, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, there were Jesus. There we go. And um, it was because that, and I've talked about this before, so I won't get into this. But the script that I wrote and the script that uh, that won at the Austin Film Festival was a script that people told me not to write, and it was kind of just out there, and it was strange, and it was the first time that I had actually just used my voice and been like, I'm fucking writing exactly what I want to write how I want to write it. And I'm just going in because I was at this really weird point in my life where uh, I was just like not really sure of what to do. And that was it. And then I knew exactly like what I wanted to do from that moment in terms of like how I wanted to write in my style. Yeah. I love that. That's a huge moment. Going back to one of your questions. What was your first pitch? Who was it with? How did it go? How did you feel about it? Go. My first pitch was with Blumhouse. I talked about this a little bit on our last episode, I think. Uh, I pitched on the Ouija movie. And I pitched to their executive, Jessica Hall, who is now Jessica Melanaffy, I believe is how you pronounce her last name. And she, I knew her. Congratulations, (laughs) Jessica. I knew her because as an assistant at Universal, she worked a lot with my boss because my boss had the Blumhouse account, as it were, because she was really into horror. And so that's how I got to know Jess Hall through that. And so once she found out I was a writer, she invited me to pitch on this Ouija movie and it's terrible. And I bombed it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, then what's your what's your best pitch? My best pitch is actually from last year where I pitched something to Sony and it was at the very beginning of the pandemic. So we definitely needed a visual component, especially because the property that I was pitching on to adapt is a Japanese anime. There's time travel, there's weird magic. It's just really bonkers. So we definitely knew we needed a visual component to help Sony understand what this could look like as a live action American show. And so I actually worked really close with my producer, who's amazing on it, and she came up with a PowerPoint presentation where we both had the script in front of us as I was pitching, and we had visual cues in the script itself where she would turn a page in the PowerPoint. And so the everyone, all the execs were watching the PowerPoint instead of me, I think, is how it sort of looked <laughs> on their screen, which is great. <laughs> and that's why it was the best pitch ever. Yeah. <laughs> And it was really cool because the PowerPoint had like video GIFs in it. It had really amazing pictures. It just felt really dynamic and exciting. And that's the only pitch I've ever sold in a room. So that's the best you can do, right? 
Like, yeah. Yeah. Can't get, yeah, the Zoom room. Yeah. I only have two more questions for you, by the way. And I feel like they're both very important questions. Oh, well, I only have one question for you. Okay, let's go. I feel like you should go first since I have only one. Okay, so I'm going to ask you the one. Okay. <laughs> Has there ever been a point in your career where you're like, I'm out. I'm not going to be a screenwriter anymore. I can't do this. Fuck this. I'm done. <laughs> I've definitely considered quitting, right? Like, especially right not at the beginning, kind of in the middle when I was still an assistant and, you know, I'd gone to grad school. I lived a life after grad school. I was the oldest assistant at Universal who was not a career assistant. I had a manager and an agent, but I was not getting work. I was not getting very good generals. I was working 12 hour days and I just like felt mm. like this was never going to happen because you're also watching the business unfold in a very political kind of not creative way when you work at a studio oftentimes and you're also seeing scripts come in that you feel like are terrible but are being purchased and you just you're kind of seeing a lot of depressing things i think come across your desk at that stage and so i definitely at that stage of my career was googling what other jobs i could do and at the end of the day this is the only job i feel like i could do really well and be happy with so yeah even once i got to that point i still had to just climb back up to the ladder and put on my big girl pants and just keep going yeah i want to give up all the time no i don't <laughs> yeah i love those empty threats that we all make and we're just like hoping someone's like whoa 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 don't ever say that again like you know like where you say things you're like you know i'm done but Do, no does this conversation happen you. in your house do you say that and nicole's like no, we know that's not true. I used to. And then I realized like I could tell when she like checked out and was just letting me kind of like vent yeah. and rant. And I just like, I remember one time I laid on the couch and I was like, I'm done. And she, I, she was on her phone. I was like, it's okay. And I was like, <laughs> fuck, she's not paying any attention. <laughs> so now you just keep it bottled up inside. Oh yeah. Just take it out on you guys. <laughs> All right. These are the final two questions. Okay. I love this question. I've saved it for last. Great. If you could sit down with younger mm -hmm. Josh, not young Josh, because you're still young, younger Josh, mm -hmm. from when he first decided to be a screenwriter on that scooter trip, what do you think would be the most surprising thing to him in terms of what you know now as a screenwriter? I think the most surprising thing is how uncertain people in the industry are. I remember coming up and thinking, wow, these people have it figured out. These are the gatekeepers. They know everything. They're doing their thing. They know exactly how the entertainment industry works. But actually, that's a very small amount of people. And if anybody's like that, because everyone at the end of the day, I feel like is just really hustling. They have their own insecurities. They have their own problems. Nobody knows anything. And I wish I knew that then. Mm -hmm. Like I, and I wish like I could talk to a younger Josh and be like, dude, just keep going with confidence and don't think anyone knows shit because no one knows anything. Mm -hmm. That's my thought to younger Josh. Yeah, I like it. So my last question for you. Yeah. Hmm. Although I really did just like your question. I almost want to ask you that. So I'm going to kind of pull it all together. I want to get your opinion on the industry. Yeah. What has changed? 
what has stayed the same over the course of your career. And what would you tell younger Tasha about the, the industry and like what it's going to look like at a, at a certain point in time? Is your question how the industry has changed since I first started or how I feel about the industry has changed? How do you feel about like where the industry is going? Mm. Let's, let's, that's the question. There are some things that scare me but are out of my control, like various mergers going on, the fate of theaters and stuff like that. So that's big stuff I won't even talk about. But I think something that's been really interesting to me about how the industry has changed from when I first started, like when I was with Cousin Pete, who we talk about a lot on this podcast, shout out to Cousin shout Pete, out. Yeah. my first ever manager, I wrote an action movie with a woman in it. And he said, bless his heart, you should make this a man because people aren't buying scripts with women in mm. these roles. And I said, I don't care. <laughs> I don't want to do that. And he's just like, I'm just giving you the information. Nobody's buying that. And he was right. So I, I get where he was coming from in that sense where that's not something anyone was interested in buying or understood. And now we are so far away from that. I would also get notes at that stage of, of my career, very early days of like, oh, you're writing characters who are mixed race. Just make it a white man. And just flat out telling you that because that's what will sell. And you're just putting yourself behind the eight ball if you come out the gate with a diverse woman as your lead because no one like they, you know, and they would have conversations that we still have today, which is like, who do you imagine playing that role that can, you know, sell this in theaters that people overseas are going to go see? Like, there's no there's no star who's exciting enough to be this mixed race woman in this position. Like, it has to be a, you know, Brad Pitt or a Keanu Reeves character. So that's no longer the conversation. So that's a huge change. And that's happened with only, you know, course of a, a, a handful of years. So that's a big change. And then the second part of your question younger Tasha. I actually feel yeah. like it'd be the same as what you would say to younger Josh. Like I feel like I would tell myself to believe in myself more because people don't know anything. And when you look at the industry, you always felt like it was this big, scary hurdle, this huge wall that you could just never cross. And you're yeah. never gonna, you're just like always gonna be under someone else's thumb. And we obviously believed in ourselves enough to push ourselves even when it looked impossible. But I think I've, I've spent so much time afraid that I didn't have what it takes and that everyone else knew better than I did, like producers, managers, agents. So I would tell younger Tasha that, hey, you're a writer. And if there's one thing you know, it's writing. So just believe in your writing more. So I would young Tasha and young Josh sitting in IHOP back in those days when we yeah. were first starting group, this is what we would say to each other. Yeah, I love it. I agree. We need to write a short movie where that happens. Older Tasha and older Josh walk in on younger Tasha, younger Josh at IHOP, share yeah, our wisdom and, and see what happens. They, they still don't listen. <laughs> Shut your old ass up. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah. What you just said about the industry is really interesting because it is really cool that you can envision anyone at any, in any role now yeah. rather than just a few stock people. Now it's like, it can literally be anyone. Mm -hmm. And I also was told with, during rom-com, Josh, actually, it was like rom-coms aren't selling anymore. Mm. And you shouldn't write rom-coms. 
and until a rom-com comes out that everyone loves and they're like yeah. oh we need a rom-com now yeah well thank god no one knows anything yeah there's so many streamers and there's so many options now like there's like you need some everyone needs something periodic table of women bring it back <laughs> coming to you in two years on netflix no not a chance i'm gonna be like <laughs> i'd be like who's this misogynist who wrote this script <laughs> Early Josh was also a bit of a pig. No. <laughs> Quote of the day. <laughs> All right. Quote of the day. We're leaving on that on that note. <laughs> Awkward note. <laughs> All right. This is sort of from left field, but literature is strewn with the wreckage of men who have minded beyond reason the opinion of others. Virginia Woolf. Actually, that's super applicable to what we just said. I don't know. You lost me somewhere in the middle of it. I feel like your your professor would be so proud right now. She would be. She'd be like, oh, Tasha, amazing quote. <laughs> All right. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers if you want more writing stuff. Oh boy. All right. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. Or me on Instagram at Josh Hallman or Twitter at Joshua Hallman. And as always, the Act Two podcast is a production of Act Two, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414 Bag, which you can find on Spotify. Mm -hmm.